Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some free ebooks and drills and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to The Art of Charm Toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction, such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, including some episodes on breakups and relationship management. That's where all the basics are, so get a handle on that first. We've got boot camps running every single month here in Hollywood, California. Details on those at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting all you guys here at AOC. We're talking with self-defense expert Tony Blauer. I took a class from him several years ago at a counterterrorism summit, and it was awesome. This episode could actually save your life. We're going to talk about how humans have evolved to defend themselves and survive how to hone our physical survival instincts and awareness, and why martial arts is actually pretty likely to get you killed. We're also going to talk about when to listen to a bad feeling and how it can save your life, plus a personal example from me and my own kidnapping as well. We're also going to talk about fear management and improving your awareness and how to devalue yourself as a victim in a street confrontation. And last but not least, we're going to wrap with a fashion tip from Aaron Marino. So, Tony Blauer, tell us what you do. I mean, I've taken a class from you back at the Halo Counterterrorism Summit where I spoke a couple years back. And, you know, I've taken a spear class, I want to say, at my CrossFit box way back in the day. And I thought it was brilliant because it basically was the whole point of the spear class was you're not going to remember all the cool karate you did 10 years ago when someone is running at your face with a bottle and you're with your girlfriend. You're just going to flinch. And so you turned the flinch response into a way to basically take control of a situation and turn it around. So what would you say you do? Because you're not a martial arts instructor. You're something totally different. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's an interesting way to, to, uh, to put it. And I think that it, it, it sums it up in that at 3 in the morning, at 12 or 10 in the morning, you know, you're walking around enjoying your life. You're being yourself. And, uh, you know, we, we have an adage when we train people that, you know, all fights are dangerous, of course, but the most dangerous one is the ambush. And so what the spear system specifically addresses is that ambush problem where uh, the confrontation happens so quickly that you don't have time to recall any muscle memory, uh, any martial art moves. And what we do know from neuroscience research is that your, your body's reactive brain, the whole amygdala limbic system bypasses your cognitive brain, which is where we store our, oh, when he does this, I'll do that. And that happens, you know, slowly, cooperatively in a martial arts school, but that's not the way street fights go down or, you know, uh, 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 muggings or rapes or home invasions or carjackings. They're scary, scary events that happen so quickly. Um, and it's a scary thing, but that's specifically, Jordan, what we, you know, what we address. And we, we look to, and it's been uh, over two decades now, studying uh, the body's physiology and trying to kind of hack that and go, you know, uh, humans have evolved and been around longer than every other species, right? Since the beginning of, of, you know, the written word and, right. and, and time, what, what was it in our genetic wiring that allowed us to do it? And if, you know, aside from other aspects of evolution, part of it, what I believe is this thing called your, your, your startle response, which, uh, uh, in conjunction with your, your intuitive instinctive system alerted you to danger. So you create this awareness, you start to feel this fear, this sensation of danger. And then, you know, most people are familiar probably with the fight or flight syndrome. And what we've done is tapped into this extreme close quarter startle flinch and looked at it for protective and combative um, uh, aspects. Definitely people freak out and get scared and they have that, I guess you called it the flinch response or the startle response. So is, is fear really the is fear something that we can learn to manage or is it just that our genetics and our instincts have it built in or is it a little bit of both i think i think it's it's all of the above and i think if a lot of it is a paradigm shift and and so what i would like to 
propose to, to you know, your listeners, your audience, is to look at fear like fitness and that you can exercise it. And, and that if you avoid facing certain fears, uh, you can't get strong at, at addressing them. And so, you know, you know, there was like I was working out, uh, um, you know, before the call and I was doing some stuff that was scary. And, uh, and we were talking about that. And I said to my training partner, I said, I said, fear is good for you. I mean, it, if, if you face it and you confront it, what you do is you get stronger and your fear management skill set becomes more adept at recognizing converting things more quickly and so the the trick is if you know any type of fear if it debilitates you so some people are are afraid of let's say asking somebody out on a date you know fear of rejection asking their boss for a raise and they feel like they deserve one but they're afraid of you know uh, you know the rejection the most important fear anyone could have is you know fear to manage when god forbid uh you're in danger and and it's it's an interesting thing in in the two decades that I've been on the road teaching and the three decades that I've been coaching self-defense and I, and I separate them because, you know, for, for 10 years when I lived in Montreal, Canada, you know, I taught and that was my laboratory. But then I went on the road and found out, and this is the coolest thing for me, that everybody's concern, everybody's fear was universal. It wasn't like, oh, just in Montreal, people are afraid of getting attacked. Uh, but what I realized is there was this universal response to danger uh, the, part of our awareness system, this instinct and intuition. And then there was this overwhelming lack of uh, uh, fear management, the, the ability to strategically uh, make decisions while you were under duress. And then what I noticed, and this is the, 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 the most interesting thing about the whole physical expression of what we teach in terms of personal defense, is that if you look at all the videos online of people getting into fights, I'm talking about on the news, I'm not talking about like the drunk backyard fights that you see on YouTube and stuff, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I call, I, the ones I call, you order off the internet. At yeah, I, call, I, mean, I, I call those the douchebag fights. You know, those are, don't anybody that's, I mean, that's bullshit. Yeah. They're fighting and it's dangerous, but that's just, that's like whose penis is bigger. Who's that's like an old Kung Fu movie from the, from the, the seventies, like the Shaw brother movies of whose style is better. Those are, those aren't real confrontations, you know, uh, even though they're dangerous, the real confrontation is you or me, we're out with our girlfriend or wife, our kids. It's, it's the home invasion, the, the mugging, the rape, the carjacking. That's the shit that's that we don't want to talk about. And it scares the, the living daylights out of us because what the move does, or what the move, what the uh, not the move, but the um, what the news does, is sensationalize the always the negative outcome. You know, there's far more events with connected to self defense where people fare better and escape, but they're not newsworthy. There weren't enough people killed. There wasn't enough terror, right? So, right. you know, so what you get done through osmosis is you get inundated with, uh, you know, we're just victims, and we just got to hope that the cavalry rushes in and and. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of law enforcement and military, and I, that's the main thrust of my business is is training those in our combatives approach. And uh, you know, but when seconds count, the police are a minute away. You know, they want to be there, but there's no way they can be there at the time of the fight. And I, my whole life's journey has been to equip people like you and your and your listeners with with, with an immediate skill set. God forbid something happens, because you don't even have time to dial nine one one during an attack. That's how fast this shit happens. Right, that's so, true. Yeah. You're you know, you're there instantaneously. Yeah, it's like it's who else going is, down. Yeah, so you know, you've got to be your own bodyguard as, you know, as part of it's one of the the, you know, the metaphors, uh, psychological metaphors we teach in our course that, you know, you've got to be thinking there's a part of your internal awareness. It doesn't have to be on all the time. You know, people think, aren't you paranoid if you're thinking that way? No, you, the same skill set to protect yourself, your family and loved ones is the exact same skill set that you apply when you drive intelligently. You know, you're looking around for drivers, you're, you're slowing down at an intersection. It's just being alert and aware. And so, and that's why, you know, when, you know, when you, when you took the courses and you heard me talk, what you said in the beginning of the show is I'm not really a martial artist. There's no evidence. Think about this people, the martial arts community hates me for this. At least a lot of them do, because I say there is no physical evidence that what any of us taught or teach in self-defense manifests itself in the real fight. And what I mean, really? Well, think about this. Think about every fight that you've ever seen live. 
Think about every fight you've seen, like a legit fight on the news, military, law enforcement, you know, stuff at a bar that was caught and, you, you know, this quick report. Have you ever seen anybody look cool or any technical martial arts where you go, oh, that was a good this punch, that was a good this kick, that was a good this arm bar? No, I mean, it never happened. There's only like one YouTube video where this defense instructor goes out and this guy, like the pimp is abusing some girl and he roundhouses him. Have you seen this? Yeah, he does a, a brachial stun to the guy's, uh, he does a back fist to his brachial stun or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like And it's the only time I've ever seen anything well, like that, yeah. and it's and, on YouTube, and that's why it's got a million views. Yeah, and so, but here's the thing, is that was a sucker punch by a trained fighter to an unsuspecting person. And so that was brought up to me as, you know, and it's funny because I, I'll say, like, I was just talking at a, at a police training conference. I had 400 of you know, some of the world's leading trainers in my in my uh, room. Um, I'm one of the guest speakers. And I say to them this, there is no evidence that what we teach people in defensive tactics, combative self-defense manifests itself. And th- let's, I mean, this is a cerebral conversation. Right. I'm not talking about, you know, if you kick me in, in the balls, will that work or not? If you punch me in the throat, will that work? I'm not talking about will it work. I'm talking about manifesting itself. And, that, and, and what I'm asking is, we take it outside of the dojo, the mat room, the demo. The the litmus test would be CCTV. It would be right. the smartphone. It would be, you know, people emailing me with like a hundred videos going, Blower, you're wrong. Look, here's a hundred examples of people doing this move. But we don't see that. And and it's interesting, like you brought up one that other people bring up, and I say, but look at that move. Was the cop who was trained being ambushed or attacked? No. In fact, what he was doing was ambushing and attacking a pimp who was walking across the street. And so, you know, I teach the spear system, startle, flinch, blah, blah, blah. If I was walking across the street and I was like focused on walking across the street and somebody was walking in the other direction and as they got right in my peripheral vision, they punched me in the ear or the throat, I'm going to get hit too. We've got to have the, the authenticity as, as leaders, as coaches to say, this is what happens. This is the truth. And stop mystifying martial arts uh, for people. Listen, you know, like on your show, this is the general public. It's not like a bunch of like, like, like Kung Fu specialists, right? And so what we're talking about is something about the, the something that works for humans, the general public. Um, and, and so I, I chose that path years ago, and it wasn't a popular path because yeah, – yeah, okay. because People mocked it. It was like, oh, that's bullshit. That's, you know, this was like, um, I was saying this stuff 12 years before the first UFC, you know, and the first UFC was style versus style. Right. And after two UFCs, it became man versus man. Because think about that. And here's another empirical example. The first UFC was, you know, jujitsu versus Sambo, Sambo versus boxing. After, after two UFCs, people realized you didn't see any true martial arts. Nobody could express their martial arts with, that, with the exception of a little bit of the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu um, uh, that, you know, that was in there. And then, then it became, it transitioned to style versus style versus mono mono, this athlete versus this athlete, because people realized, wait a minute, these were actually about the athletes, not about their styles. And then people still talked about it, well, how the, the Gracie's, the Jiu-Jitsu is dominating, but then when some of the ground, when the American ingenuity of ground and pound and had a stuff that takedown started taking over, then it became, oh, so ground and pound is better than jiu-jitsu and MMA. And it just kept shifting, you know. But what I'm talking about here, like esoterically, is, you know, it's not who's right in a fight, it's who's left. And you've got, <laughs> you know, you've got to find how do I win? And what I've identified is something really simple. You need to have awareness, you need to then confirm your awareness. What that means is I got a bad feeling. Am I being paranoid or, or did my survival system just say something's wrong? Don't go in the house or don't open your door or don't, don't answer that, that, that question from that guy over there. And your body gets like every victim of violence that I've interviewed in my decades of training has said, if they live to tell the tale, they said, I had a bad feeling. I knew something was wrong, but just didn't act on it. How much of that is 2020 hindsight, you think? And how much is like, oh, yeah, they did have that for real? Um, I, I, 
listen, here's a joke I always make. I say, what's the downside to choosing survival, Jordan? Yeah, what, exactly. What, what's the downside of choosing safety? So let's say you come home one day and you get a bad, you, you get off the phone, this call with me and you start overthinking this shit and you get a little paranoid and that's a normal thing. So I just put that out there right now. If you start like, like you go to my website and you read some articles and you read some interviews, it's normal for like a, like a little while, a week or a couple of hours to start overreacting to shit, right? Because, yeah. because you've just kind of activated your, your reticular cortex, the part of your brain that goes, you know, you should be aware of this. And that's, and that's a good thing, but then it subsides. Initially, it kind of makes people uncomfortable because we've got the, we truly do have, again, from osmosis, this, this um, uh, uh, victim mindset. Well, what could you do? What can you do anyways? If it's going to happen, it's fatalistic. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And you can't, if you, if you don't want to be a victim of violence, you cannot have that mindset. But you asked me about 2020, and so I got two answers. One's a philosophical answer. What is the downside of choosing to be safer? There is no downside. Yeah, there is no downside. Right? And so let's say, you know, you come home tonight and uh, you think you hear something in the house or you got a bad vibe and you go, ah, you know what? Tony spooked me out. But you decide, you know what? I'm going to choose safety. So what you do is you call a couple of your friends uh, to come over and you go, you're going to, you're going to think I'm a wimp, but, uh, I want you to come over and walk through the house with me. I just, I'm, you know, I'm alone tonight and I got this spooky feeling and they come over and nobody's there. So they make fun of you. Right. Right. That's yeah. the, that's the downside. Now let's say you let your machismo, you know, you're go off, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to, you know, you go, that's bullshit. I'm just paranoid. And you go in there and, you know, you put your phone down in the kitchen and you go grab a beer or you go put the TV on. So you got some background noise. You're walking around. And next thing you know, you get jumped because you did surprise a burglar and you did have a bad feeling for a reason. And and he blindsides you because he's on parole. And if he gets caught, he's going back to jail. And and so that's the whole backstory. And a lot of people who surprise burglars end up paying the price because that's that's what they got to do. It's not personal. That's their job. They got to get out of there. You weren't supposed to come home early. And so, you know, it's so simple. We talk, we teach the three D's, detect, diffuse, defend. D1 is detect and avoid. Defuse is spelled D-E-F-U-S-E. And it implies take the fuse out, take the power out. And that talks about your verbal skills. You find yourself in close proximity of what is a potential threat. What are some good verbal Yeah, Yeah, this is, this is the juice, right? Because this yeah. show's all about social skills social awareness can uh, that was it's like you read my mind how can we one how can we improve our awareness but then two how do we defuse situations not by going like spear in your face and slam your head against the concrete wall uh-huh. but being like oh hey man um listen i assume you're here to steal some shit just take it and leave i'm gonna go back out and go to mcdonald's i'm gonna give you three minutes please just leave and don't hurt anybody or whatever. Right. I mean, I don't think that would work, yeah. but, you know, well, but, something but, like that. But, but you know what? Here's the thing is you want to say something that gets in their head so that you have time to shift psychological gears. Here's the scary part of learning self-defense, just like there's a scary part of learning CPR, first aid, scary part of learning uh, 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 skydiving. There's, you know, there's a scary part of everything. Hey, the scary part of skydiving is here's the secondary shoot and why you may need it. Right. So <laughs> you got to talk about the malfunction. And then, then someone might put up their hand and go, well, what if the secondary shoot is malfunction? And go, well, then we got another problem, but let's not talk about that. Sign this release, <laughs> right? right? Um, and so there's a scary part here, and this is the reality is this. you got to remember the bad guy can only want one of three things. So this is a staple of our training methodology. Bad guys only want property, body, or life. Property, body, or life. It's a, it's a short list, and I deliberately created that short list because – if we improve our perception speed, we can decrease our reaction time. So if I say to you, look, there's 10,000 things he could want, then while you're panicking, going, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? He's gotten closer. You've gotten more scared. Boom. Right? You need to go, hey, take what you want. I'm out of here. And have him say, you know, you have like that, that awkward moment where he looks at you and you're moving towards the door and your hands are up and, and your brain is going, this is working. This is working. Get the fuck out of the house now. Right? Um, but if you know that, and then you'll you'll also know immediately if this is not working, and that's what the potential victim needs to know. This right, because then he's chasing you, and he's like, you know, drooling or something, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like suddenly where where someone says, you know, shut up, move over there. Do you have any tape? Do you have any rope? 
and you're going, okay, this he doesn't want property, he wants body or life, and wait a minute, he's not doing anything to conceal his identity. Okay, this doesn't end good for me. I need to fucking fight. And uh, and I will tell you this, if if you look at at again the videotapes of people fighting, you don't need skill and technique. That's a false assumption that will make you even more afraid. What you need is just to fucking fight. You just, you will figure it out. You are a human weapon. Everybody's a human weapon. Um, and, and this is the, the, you know, the backtrack to the whole startle flinch. The startle flinch is, is a survival reflex that helps you, is the, the medical terminology is helps us disengage from noxious stimuli. Noxious stimuli is, is scientific, obsequious, pedantic language, um, which that was on purpose. Yeah, that's going to say, hold to, on, let me get to thank you. I, yeah, exactly. Um, it, that, all it means is to push away danger. To disengage noxious stimuli is shit that's bad for you. Bad guys are bad for you. Get them the fuck out of your personal space, away from your wife, away from your kids, away from your girlfriend. Um, and, and so your body's survival reflex engages at the, it's the fastest fastest reflex you can have and anybody here's a neat thing is you know as much as i'd like you know to uh uh uh, hey you know you know do a seminar you know specific for you know for all your fans you can go online and google tony blower spear uh why startle flinch uh you know go to the crossfit website go to crossfit defense go to my spear website and you could learn the simple basic moves if if you're at all intelligent and you spend five minutes with it, you're like, wow, okay, I got that. Um, the, the so what we've done is really put together this: be your own bodyguard, be a courageous bystander. You are the human weapon, and just shown people that the, the 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 tools and skills you need to protect yourself are things you come equipped with. Now. You know, if if you think of a business model, this isn't a good business model, right? Right. It's, because yeah. it's like it's like no, you need to buy my package, and I'll send this to you, and for you know, in for twenty nine bucks, I'll throw in some extra Ginsu knives. You know, there's. I'm just telling people, listen, you all know what a bad feeling feels like because it feels bad. Address it. Then you need to manage some fear. So you want to study or be your own bodyguard principle, uh, and and the whole mindset shift it takes there, and then you want to find something that teaches you how to embrace and incorporate your body's physiology in a close quarter fight, because that's, that's what'll happen. Uh, you know, when you get scared, your, your, your primal gross motor system takes over and your fine and complex motor skills, you know, the ones that, that are taught in most martial arts, uh, go out the window during sudden violence. Interesting. All right, back to the show. That's really interesting. So, how do we start to manage fear then? I know the be your own bodyguard principle applies. Can you give us sort of a, a preview of what that might look like or something that guys can work on right now? They're, you know, they're on their commute. How right. can they start to think about managing fear? Well, um, uh, the, there, there's a couple of things. There's, there's, we use two really powerful acronyms to just help people kind of position themselves. And one is false evidence appearing real. And then the other is false expectations appearing real. So false evidence is when you look at something. Let's say you're showing up for an interview, or or you uh, you, you you know you're showing up, and and I use ironically um, a ton of uh, um, kind of scenario examples in our training, and one of them is you know because they're most of our classes are predominantly uh, dominated by by men, uh, and uh, I'll use the simple example of you know how many times have you gone out. And you're single and you want to go ask somebody to dance or for a drink or, or for a date or whatever. And you just hesitate. You just don't. And, and the only reason for that is because you're visualizing failure. You're visual, visualizing rejection. And so one of the things about fear management is understanding when you are in what we call a fear loop. And the fear loop is when you are trying to get motivated to do something. And if you just connect the dots here, you know, and what you're doing is, is the, the fear loop is comprised of, of uh, these components. One is our expectations, what we visualize, what our beliefs are, uh, our neuroassociations, how our brain links up, uh, you know, any type of sim- symbol. And that would be the stimulus or stimuli uh, in that environment that triggers either false expectations or false evidence appearing real. So as an example, and that becomes the loop where, you know, you, you know, we're at a bar and you say to me, 
Tony, go ahead. Go go ask her for a date. She looked over here twice. I'm telling you, just go up there and just start talking. It'll be good. You know, the downside is you remember Gretzky's line, you 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 miss hundred percent of the shots you don't sure, take. Sure. You know? So the downside is it's like it's almost like it's, this is almost like a parallel uh, um a strategy of uh, of uh, choose safety, right? I'm afraid outside mm-hmm. my house, and I say choose safety. Don't go in. What's the downside? The downside is, you know, you call the police. They come in and they clear the house and they go, Jordan, there's nobody here, and you're like, oh, thanks for coming. And they say, okay, you're you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> you pretty know? much. Yeah. Right. And, and and the the you know the downside to ignoring a fear spike or some intuition might be your intuition was right and there is a problem. Um, and now you're behind the curve. So it's the same thing here. So in fear management, um, you you want to recognize if you get this little fear spike, you want to identify the fears as best as you can. And I talk about this kind of like a like a personal GPS. You know that like when you stick your iPhone or your Droid and you're using the, the directions and you miss a street, your personal GPS will say, hey, you know, make a legal U-turn. You're going the wrong way. And so what I tell people is just lovingly, remember, fear is like a muscle and you can exercise it. You know, you don't want to be cavalier about it because there's some stuff that you absolutely need to be afraid of um, and should respect, uh, like gravity. Yeah. Right. Snakes and stuff. Snakes and spiders. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's shit that you should absolutely avoid. But most of the stuff we're afraid of, um, you you know, just is is just stuff that are erroneous beliefs or superstitions or, or things that we just haven't kind of peeled the onion on and gotten gotten to understand them better and um and so the fear loop that we talked about and the easiest way to just think about it is, is you've got a, you've got a scenario you're trying to get motivated it's asking somebody for a date or maybe it's asserting yourself in a situation uh uh you know where somebody it could have escalated into a fight or confrontation but what you're doing is is if you're being honest you, you want to get motivated you want to do the right thing but inside your head is this visual based on this expectation, this is not going to work out. And so you're visualizing failure, you're visualizing some sort of pain or some sort of defeat or some sort of rejection. And why that's happening is either a, an erroneous belief system uh, or, or some sort of, again, uh, neuroassociation, which is a fancy word for neurobrain association symbol, how your brain links up a symbol. Um, you know, so you might be there and, and I can give a hundred examples of it. But what we always, in ironically, in our self-defense class, I use the, you know, why don't you go ask that girl for a date example, and have been for 20 years. And it's, uh, and it's because if you knew she was going to turn around and go, oh, my God, where have you been all my life? You'd walk over right now. That's a good point. Right? But if, but if there's any, depending on how you're feeling emotionally that day, uh, you know, you think, well, she's going to blow me off. No one likes, no one likes that rejection. So... You know, I can say the same thing when I'm coaching a, 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 an athlete and I say, you need to throw your back kick here when he does this. So if I'm coaching, let's say, a, a, um, a combat athlete, I go, this is where you're going to throw this counter. And he hesitates. I go, you know, I don't need to ask him why he hesitated. I know that what he visualized was his counter getting countered. I visualized, I know that he visualized failure, not success, because if he was visualizing success, what would he have done? He'd have thrown it, you know? Sure. A uh, great, a great maxim for you. If you didn't fear fear, what would you do? Another one I love is is it's not the danger that makes us afraid; it's the fear of danger. And so that's it's that fixation of the the what's going on in our head before the actual event, and and that's that that's the delay and hesitation. And you could think of whether we use dating as an example, or self defense, or getting into business, or buying a house. You look at all the stress that leads up to it. And then when it finally happens and you're celebrating, you're popping the champagne and high-fiving, if you ever stop to look back at all the, the worry and stress and fixation and nervousness that, that was, was the precursor to this event, if you could do it again, you would tell yourself, hey, like those 10 things you did there, <laughs> yeah, like this outcome was happening anyhow. You, what you needed mm-hmm. to do is just pull the trigger. Excellent. Excellent. So we know how to improve our awareness, but basically by listening to our gut, you know, that rings true. I I think we talked about this a while ago Uh, when I was in Mexico. I was 20 years old and a lot of the guys listening to the story or the show have heard the story. But I was in a cab and the cabbie wasn't driving me where I wanted to go. And at first I was like, oh, maybe there's traffic. And then I thought, "Okay, maybe he's lost. And then I realized I was going 
to a landmark that every cab driver in the city, Mexico City, knew where this was. And then I, I, I literally did just that. I, I said, okay, I'm a little scared. I know I'm scared because I know that I know that deep down I know that this guy knows what he's doing. So I'm right. actually being kidnapped right now, and I'm in denial. Right. And by realizing that, I was able to end up escaping and saving my life. But if I had kept rationalizing, which would, which by the way was a lot more comfortable in the moment, to just kind of pretend of that it wasn't happening and be like, oh, you know, that that's what are the odds of that? This isn't happening, and you know, we're just going to drive around a traffic jam or something. I could have kept doing that all the way to the secondary location, which is which is where he was taking me at that point, um, which is where, as you know, like the, the proverbial place where no one can hear you scream, right? Right. And, and, it's, and so what you did there is exactly what some people do, but many people don't do. And when I talk about our victim of violence research, you know, if, if, if we weren't on a show right now talking about that and I happened to got your name from some database or somebody told me about that uh and i asked you the question regardless of the story the scenario the circumstance you would have been one of those people that i mentioned every victim of violence had a bad feeling before the act if they lived to tell the tale they had a bad feeling so a lot of them so what you did is you acted on it and you intercepted you know you know getting to that that secondary crime scene um and that was you know you know i mean who knows who knows what happened? You might have survived that too and fought out of that because because you don't you don't think like a victim. What you did do, and I want to point this out, is you did what uh, most of the people that were victimized do, and that's you you play with you know part of what's called cognitive dissonance and this like creating uh, an explanation or or an excuse for what's happening. And we often do that. Um, in uh, relationships that go south at a certain point, business relationships. But again, I come at, at, there's a lot of transcendent value to learning how to protect yourself and your family because, you know, that betrayal of that taxi driver was a business for him, right? And, but it followed the same, uh, 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 you know, plot points. You know, if we whiteboarded this, you know, here's a guy, he's a foreigner, it looks like he's got some money, he gave me a location, I've got a backstory. No, no, there's a lot of traffic here, there's an accident on this road, I came here, you know. He had a, he had a whole story plan, sure. right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so the only thing, and this is what, what I want everyone listening to key into, the only thing that alerted you that you were in danger was a bad feeling in conjunction with, and this we talk about instincts and intuition, um, Instincts are like that intuition is more of that esoteric, but you, like, and I tell people it's what I call the three eyes. You got your intuition, you got your instincts. If you combine them and make a decision based on what they're what what is congruous with both of them, that will be intelligent. There is nothing unintelligent about combining instincts and intuition. And so what ends up happening is in order for you to to proactively make a stand for your personal safety you need to accept what's happening. And so, you know, that is actually the number one gold. And when we talk about golden rules of self-defense, number one on that list is accept what's happening because the, the shift to denial is safer and comfortable throughout the entire tra uh, trauma. Yeah, totally. A lot more comfortable. Yeah. It's like, I'll be okay. Someone will save me. The cavalry rush in, even when somebody's captured, how they stay sane is that that kind of that hope metaphor. I'll be safe. I'll be safe, um, and it, it 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 keeps them sane. You know, the obvious thing is just to never be there. And so we talk about getting to the left of the ambush. Is how do you pick up danger way earlier? Um, and the only thing I've come up with again, the simplest thing is is I like to keep thing in simple threes. Like the bad guy only wants one of three things. The bad guy doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want to get hurt. He doesn't want for things to take too long. So be that proverbial hard target. But it, the three D's, there's another three. The three I's, there's another three. I keep them really simple so that you can you can shift gears really really quickly, uh, you know, and and make these choices. Excellent. So how do we devalue? Well, you mentioned this before. This sounds fascinating, and it's funny because it sort of leads right into this. How do we devalue ourselves in a street confrontation? Because I know a lot of people listening are like, "Hell no, I'm just going to run away if I right. can." You know, right. but but it might not be that simple or, or the ATM video. And uh, we should 
find this. I'll have my, my uh, editor embed this in the show notes because right. there's an ATM video where you're at the ATM and someone's coming up to the side of you and you kind of expect like arm lock, judo flip, and it's right. not like that at all. It's much more realistic. Yeah. Um, yeah, the ATM videos is is uh, one of the most popular and classic because it's, you know, that, that uh, anticlimactic where people expect me to do some wazoo martial arty move and then I just completely devalue myself. So if we look at the formula property, body, or life, it's what are the things that I could be saying, conveying, portraying, or doing where the bad guy goes, you know, I don't really want this guy or this gal right now. I'm going to wait for somebody else. So unless it's like a personal hit on you, you know, like somebody specifically mad at you or me, Jordan, um, uh, you know, or, or targeted us, this shit usually works. And so there's all these, like, I love, you know, you, you, I know you're joking around, you know, when you, when you gave that scenario about coming home and, you know, saying, Hey, take whatever you want. I've yeah. three minutes, like shit like that could work. I mean, someone could come up to you with a knife and say, give me your wallet. And you could say, hey, listen, man, that's an awesome knife. I collect knives. Um, I'm going to take my wallet out of my pants. I'm going to buy the knife from you. I'm going to buy the knife from you using all of my cash, right? And the guy's like looking at you going, what the fuck is this guy say? That way, this isn't really a crime. I purchased the knife from you. <laughs> yeah. And then I say, you know, I'll keep the knife and just, and we're cool, right? And he's like, uh, you know, you could make somebody laugh or smile. Could that work? It could work. Um, what you need to be aware of is that transition when this, when this predator decides, you know what, I'm going to stab this guy too. I'm going to punch this guy. I'm going to, you know, attack this guy. That's, that's the shift. You can often see where like, you know, someone's given someone their purse or their briefcase or the keys to their car. And then the guy pauses and looks at him and realizes this guy can ID me. This guy still has his phone, this guy. And now there's, it shifts to property, uh, sorry, life or body. And you need to be ready for that. And there's just simple shit to do there. But um, I went off on, on, a, on a mini tangent, the, the, okay. deva- the devalue concept. And when people watch the ATM video, they think of applying it just to the ATM. But the strategy of devalue is in there. So you need to be thinking of um, how do I create time and space so that I can escape, get to an improvised weapon, uh, jump like like the uh, you know we had that shooting uh, at the another campus shooting uh, a few weeks ago right, up right. up up in Northern Cal right and uh, some guy with a shotgun and you see the school monitor that's OC'd him and then tackled him and then a bunch of other students came and grabbed him and pinned him and held him down. Did you ever get a chance to look at a, a picture of the guy that took down the the shotgun wielding psychopath? My, my girlfriend did and she said he's like this tiny nerd. Oh yeah, he's like in. You would picture him in like like a, a like a Glee Club picture. Yeah, right. And so I talk about. I look at those are the people that I that I highlight in my seminars. Where you expect you go well, so the guy was like a combination of Rambo and Thor, right? I go no, he was a guy that was in the chess club or the Glee Club. He was just somebody that said fuck this, right, and, and moved. He was what I call the hashtag courageous bystander right and so it's like the the uh, um the be your own bodyguard principle got expanded in this day and age of active shooters to courageous bystanders to ask yourself if somebody you really cared of was in a crisis would you want somebody to do something incredibly brave to help the day and the answer is always yes well god forbid it's that might be one of us where we're there and and we can save a kid or a woman or another guy um, by doing something courageous. We're right in there, right? And so, you know, I'm not talking about like running past the police who are already charging there. I'm talking about I'm in the classroom or I'm in the mall or this is happening right in front of me. You know, do I pretend I don't see it or do I do I make a move? And so, um, uh, again, we you know went off on another another track here. But the reason the whole devalue concept was tied back to um, anything I say on this show gets, and listen carefully to this, kind of neat, our cognitive dissonance, a reason for us to go, you know, I kind of liked what he said, but here's why I wouldn't be able to do it. Like we rationalize why, why that'll never happen to me or why that won't work out. In the same way you said it was comfortable in the cab in Mexico to go, no, no, this is, I'm, I'm, 
I'm making this up. I'm I'm imagining this. It just must be traffic. And you're going because you don't want to because the alternative is to say I'm I'm actually being kidnapped right now. What are you going to do? So so the whole devalue yourself uh, concept is is um, simply the the bad guy wants something of value, whether it's property, body, or life. So you want to look at that situation in advance, like you need to think about it, uncomfortably think about it and go, if somebody's mugging me, they obviously want my, some aspect of my property, some money, some jewelry. Um, and I'll give you an example of each one. So I was in New York many, many years ago, and I just bought a Rolex Submariner. And, and I was, it was like literally my first day with it. And I was all excited and everything. And I'd saved up for it. And, and, um, I'm in a camera shop, and this is like 20 years ago. There was no digital stuff. I'm in a camera shop, and I say, hey, I need some. Uh, and I'm walking there with my girlfriend at the time and my son, and he's like two or three in a stroller. And I say, I want some film, and I and the guy grabs the wrong uh, box of film. I go, no, and I gesture with my left hand with this shiny Rolex. I gesture, no, the, you know, the 400 speed, that one, and I point I gesture over it, and the guy says, as my arm shot out pointing, he says, nice watch. Hmm. But he said it in a way, Jordan, it wasn't, hey, that's a nice watch. It was like, nice watch, like when you leave the store, I'm going to call my buddies and say, there's a guy with a Rolex, and he's with his wife and his and his son, and easy target, they're turning left out the store. And you know those scams go on all the time. Sure, right? yeah, sure. You know, but what it was is I had a bad feeling there was something in his tone. And immediately as he said, nice watch, I looked at it, I shook it like it was really light. Yeah. And I said, 40 bucks up the street. I can't even believe it's the same weight as a Rolex. But, I mean, who can afford a Rolex? Anyways, pass me that film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Right away, he's not going to call his buddy and say, mug a guy with a fake Rolex. Right. He's probably thinking this knucklehead bought one of the shitty watches in Times Square because he's a stupid tourist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so so either way, I averted a mugging, and I felt good about the strategy. But let's say, you know, now somebody on the show's listing goes, but what if he wasn't going to mug you? No downside. I chose chose safety. Um, The only downside is you didn't get to have somebody – prop your ego up about your cool new watch somebody right. that you don't even know right and 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 the truth is and i know we're teasing here the truth is i bought i bought it for me and uh um you know i didn't care if it's like a stranger yeah of course not, right you know so yeah. you know so it was uh you know the the devalue yourself in a if somebody's trying to uh hurt you uh, is trickier, and if somebody's trying to kill you, you know, is even is is even trickier. There, you need to distract them. You need to move them. And I can give you know two examples. You know, yeah, please if, do. If if uh, and this one's a little obscure, but it, it'll work if you if you if you believe it. Now, so imagine this: uh, you're walking down the street, and it looks like you're about to get mugged. And you know that if you start to move quickly and you're on some shitty street and you're like, why the hell did I agree to meet my friends here? And this is like the wrong part of town. And I'm like wearing this, you know, freaking, you know, crazy hip outfit. And everyone here is like in a, you know, a, a trench coat with you know, <laughs> their, their collars up. They look like specters in the dark. Right. right. I'm, I'm, I'm painting some cartoony picture. But clearly you stand out and you see like these two guys you know, put out their cigarettes and kind of come off a wall and they're starting to walk towards you. And you know that if you start to run, they're going to run. And now you're just going to get your ass kicked because you're, you didn't even know where you are. So I tell people and, uh, to walk right towards them and, and walk right up to them and whisper loud enough for them to hear, but clearly whispering, um, are, are you two the undercover cops that I'm supposed to meet? Oh, and, uh, Ballsy, though. Wow. You know, well, you're going to get jumped, right? So yeah, say yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to no, say something. No downside. You know? right? yeah. So, so, you know, if they're, if, if they're, if they are the cops in this hallucination, that would be really weird. I would tell you to go buy a lottery immediately. Yeah. Right. I was like, yeah. wow, yes, we are. How did this happen? You right? don't look like so, our contact. Right. Oh, no. so, uh, yeah. So, um, but let's, so, but, but here's, but in reality, they either are two guys that happen to look at you while you looked at them and you had a bad feeling. And when they put down the cigarettes and walk towards you, they were actually just walking down the street. And, and that's cool. Um, or 
they are coming towards you. But if you walk up to somebody and you go, hey, are, are you, uh, you know, Officer McGregor or whatever, you have a name, you've thought about this and you practice this. Um, and, and, uh, uh, and that's why another thing I tell people, if you've come up, if you come up with a couple of verbal scenarios, practice them a couple of times. Like the, the moment you need it, you sh this shouldn't be the first time that you've, that you've rehearsed it. The same thing as an example with the ATM video. Um, is I tell people, everyone who watches that goes, wow, that's such a cool strategy. That would definitely work. I get that. Um, and then I ask them, I go, have you ever practiced it? And they're like, no. I go, well, the first time you do it maybe shouldn't be. In, when, yeah, when you're right shitting at, yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, so, so do it a couple of times. Um, and so the same thing. You walk up to these guys and you go, hey, are you the two cops supposed to meet? I'm like, I'm the undercover. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the informant. You know, and if if two guys were about to mug you, think that there's two cops about to show up, <laughs> you know, their eyes are going to look up, right? They're suddenly looking around, and you know, they know you're a bad guy and you're a piece of shit and you're whatever, but they're like you're in their head, and and it changes the potential for violence immediately because they think you're somebody you're not, you know. Um, and I did this like when I was I was experimenting with these things. I tried them on people just to see their behavioral response. And this is what we're doing, Jordan, is there's three fights to a, there's three parts of the fight. There's the feeling part, the emotional part, there's the psychological part, what's going on in our heads, you know, how what we're thinking, and then there's the physical fight. Well, most martial art and self-defense programs only practice the physical fight, which means you bypass two thirds of everything that goes on before a fight. Right? The buildup. Mm -hmm. The, the, you know, the, the internal dialogue and then the actual, the actual physical part is the part that everyone practices. And so that's what we mean by get to the left of the ambush, get way outside the fight. And so I practiced this stuff where I've like, you know, I remember going for a run one day, thinking about the different strategies. And, um, I, I went up, to, I went up to uh, a couple of, um, guys, uh, I was uh, doing this run at this park and I went up to these two guys in the middle of this run, so I'm out of breath, and I was thinking, what if, what if I got jumped? And I remember reading about the story of uh, some guy that was actually beaten, really badly beaten. He might have even been killed for his running shoes in New York. Remember when the Nike Airs came out? Sure, yeah, the Jordans and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, how crazy would that be? You know, you're tired from running, and somebody tackles you or sucker punches you, and then they kick the shit out of you, and they steal your running shoes. Mm -hmm. Um. And so, you know, we live in a brazen world where people have this, like, this arrogant entitlement where you're, you, you know, it's, you know, you can't just sit there and go, oh, I live a clean life. I won't be a victim of violence. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah, it has it's nothing just, to do with you, really. Yeah, it's just, this is just, it's something they want, you know. Um, and so, uh, you remember that knockout game? That was going around. I think that was a bunch of crap, actually. I don't know if that was real, but yeah, I remember. Oh hearing no, about there's it. there's actual video of it. Oh really? Okay. I yeah. thought it was just one of those urban legends like oh, that no. never happened. In fact, do this when we get off the call. Google Tony Blauer, uh, knock yourself out, asshole. I wrote a blog about it. It's actually got some news clips of uh some surveillance videos, some CCTV of some of these people getting dropped. Oh um, man. And so uh, I actually wrote a blog on it that, that had a million hits on a Sunday, and my server company actually shut my site down. They throttled me um, uh, just because of how viral it went so fast. Yeah, they uh, were worried about spending well, too much money on you. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. I was just trying to make the world safer, and you guys just killed that message. Thank I you. I saved 25 cents in bandwidth that day, though. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now back to the good stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, uh, lots of video. I thought it was Urban Legend too, like you, but then I, you know, it, it appeared, um, you know, some videos of just, you know, you know, like five, six guys walking by and just sucker punching like elderly people, the Ugh. people on their phones, disgusting stuff. But I just want, you know, I just say that because, you know, this is still uh, a, a failure. If you just integrate the three Ds that I've been sharing during the whole call, detect, defuse, defend. You know, it's your failure to embrace D1 and D2 that sets you up for almost every incident, you know, uh, uh, from, a, 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 you know, a, an ATM mugging to carjacking, you know, walking down the street. Sure. Um, and so um, people just need to just be aware and, and literally, like, like we say, you know, look up. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I, I, what I was saying was, uh, you know, when, I, when that incident happened with the Nikes, I actually experimented with this. And this is what I want you guys to know is I'm not just like making this shit up. I go, here's an idea. I think this is a viable strategy. But then I would, I would inject it into, you know, my, my life's practice and just kind of read the feedback. So I did this on, one day on a run going, okay, here I am running. I came, I'm coming across this open area and there are, um, there's a couple of guys coming. They look a little shady. Uh, I'm going to run right up to them. And, uh, because if they came, if they started to chase me right now, I'm exhausted. I'm just doing hill sprints, right? Right. How how fast am I going to get away? So, uh, I walked right up to them. I came right up to them and I said, Hey, have you guys seen, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm in the right place, but I'm supposed to meet three guys from the McGill football squad. And one guy's running with this Rottweiler. It's got the, this giant freaking hmm. like a hundred pound Rottweiler. And the other guy is like this big, big dude. Uh, but he's got like hair, like Roger Daltrey, like really long, curly blonde. And I gave like this really, like I, I thought about the words as icons. Like two Vikings are coming to meet yeah, you it, with a Rottweiler. Well, but this is, but this is cool. And it, I mean, this ties into uh, no doubt some of your philosophy and teachings, like, what makes the words you choose stand out so that's like words are iconic, right? They have emotional impact. Yeah. So when I say, you know, it was back like 20 years ago, uh, Hey, Roger Daltrey, long curly hair. If I say, did you see a guy with a dog? If your favorite dog's a fucking poodle, right? You visualize poodle. But if I say Rottweiler football players, guys got like blonde hair like roger daltrey and like these guys were suddenly looking around going no we didn't see any of those guys and i go you got the time man guy looks at his watch you know and like man i'm supposed to meet him like right i'm i'm sure i'm in the right spot okay thanks guys you know but i just watched their whole behavior they started looking around they they you know and i was i ran right up into their personal space and they actually backed off from me um and so Here's the thing. It's not whether this would work or it wouldn't work is, is, is that it buys you psychological time to assess. Is this like, is this a a property body or life? Do I need to now, you know, smash somebody in the throat? Do I need to run here? Do I need to gouge somebody's eyes? Just simple gross motor movements that, that, that change uh, uh, my posture in a self-defense situation. You know, people who fight back are more successful than people who cooperate. That's 100% a fact. See, that's an interesting point because that's not really what you expect. You think, I'm going to cooperate and then they'll go away or I'll find a chance to escape. Right, because because bad guys are honest, law-abiding bad guys. Right, right. right. You know, if you cooperate with me, I won't hurt you, right? Um, and listen, there are situations, and I know that that so many of your listeners have heard, hey, you know, what's in your your wallet that's worth your life? You know, if the guy's got a gun or a knife, just give him your wallet. I'm not saying fight back. I'm an options facilitator. I tell people, hey, listen, you know, you know, it's property, body, or life. If you cooperate with the mugger, you get mugged. But if you cooperate with a rapist or the, the guy who wants to beat you, you get beaten or raped. And if you cooperate with the murderer, you get murdered. Right. I, I'm just saying be aware. Yeah, because you don't know their agenda until you know their agenda. Exactly. There, there was a guy years ago, I talk about this too in the seminars, who you know, was mugged at gunpoint. The guy cooperated, gave him his wallet, and then um, the guy grabbed the wallet, looked at the wallet, and then looked up, and he was holding this revolver like you know, a foot away from the guy, and he had his hands up, and he was like, I gave you the wallet. Why aren't you running? There was this weird pregnant pause. And he said that this after in this interview, he said the guy got this look in his eyes and I went, oh, my God, he's going to shoot me. And the guy grabbed the gun and thank God it was a revolver because uh, the hammer was back. Right. And so he couldn't. The, yeah. the cylinder his, wouldn't his, turn. his pinky actually grabbed the back where, the, you know, where the hammer dropped and it actually hit his pinky. Then he wrestled the gun. And the guy ran. Right. We didn't have his gun. He's now now suddenly he's running. And so it was an interesting thing. But there are so many stories. Um where, you know, you find the victim tied up, you know, face down, uh, you know, where you just where you had to have known that the, the dialogue minutes before or an hour before was if you cooperate with me, I won't hurt you. Right. Yeah, sure. And then the guy was like, actually, I think I'm going to cut you into little pieces instead. Right. I mean, it's yeah. it's 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 horrific. But, you know, the easiest thing is just to have your own policy. You know, hey, you know, uh, this is this is just what I'm going to do. You know, uh, you'll know, you'll know, you know, when 
it's right to not do anything because it resonates. There's something, there's a black box element to all of this when I talk to people. And I've talked to people that go, no, I cooperated, I'm safe. You know, um, they just knew, you know. Um, and I've had situations too where you just, you just go, I'm not doing anything here, you know. Um, and, and so I don't want anyone to think again that A, we're cavalier or macho about this. It's just knowing the totality and the potential allows, allows you to diagnose better. Thank you so much, Tony. This is, this is awesome, and I feel like this episode could save your life. I mean, it's, for me, it was, you know, never go to the secondary location yep. and, and stop rationalizing your way into your comfort zone, not just with people, but in, in situations where something is going down and you just don't want to believe it because it's too scary. Oh, you, you, you need to. I, I, um, again, 100%, and it, thank God somebody had said to you, never go to a secondary crime scene, because that was a fact that kind of kept slapping you in the face while you tried to correct right. what was going like, on. Had I never seen Oprah where that cop or whatever was like, never go to the secondary location, I would have just been like, nah, you know what, we're going to go there, and then the guy's going to ask for directions, or... We're going to go there, and then they're just going to be like, hey, give us all your money, and then they're maybe going to let me go, or whatever I was thinking at the time. But instead, I was like, nope, that's where really bad shit happens. I'm just going to stand my ground here, and that's what happened. Well, good for you. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, well, me too. <laughs> no kidding. We wouldn't be talking. Yeah. Um, Is there anything but, you want to leave us with? Um, just really to, you know, you know, for anyone listening to this stuff, just remember what I said. It's, it's uh, you know, first of all, every human – should be able to protect himself. It's just like everyone should know first aid. Everyone should know how to change a tire. Everyone should know how to use a, a a fire extinguisher. You wouldn't buy a fire extinguisher for your house or your office thinking, I hope I have a fire so I can use this. <laughs> so, so learning self-defense is just a, 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 an emergency solution to like a, like a sudden problem. And just because you learn how to use a fire extinguisher doesn't mean you're a fireman. And that's kind of this, like you don't need to take martial arts. You need to trust your instincts, get off the X, you know, choose safety. If, if you're afraid, manage your fear because, you know, experiencing that emotional inertia where you just try to, you know, cognitive dissonance, oh, it'll be okay. I'm going to fix this. This is, you know, I'll just cooperate. Uh, that might not be the answer. And then, uh, I mean, I would just tell people explore some of the, the ATM video and the, you know, uh, the, you know, the why start off Lynch video. And if it resonates with you, it'll be in your system. You're, you're all human weapons already. Thanks so much, Tony. Great show. Thanks, Jordan. All right, hope you guys dug that one. I really like the psychology behind devaluing yourself in a street confrontation. I think that's really key, and I think that's something that everybody can apply. Also loved fear management and improving our awareness. I think a lot of us are plugged in, headphones in and head down on our phone all the time, and it's actually very dangerous. But, of course, you don't notice until it's too late. I also think listening to a bad feeling is something that most of us ignore, especially in today's day and age. And our instincts really are one of the only things we have left. So you guys really need to hone that skill and keep on top of it. Now let's wrap with a fashion tip from Aaron Marino. Due to popular demand, we got fashion tips from my man Aaron Marino from IMAlphaM.com. He's going to be dropping some knowledge on us to learn how to dress our best. All right, so I've heard that brown belts need to match brown shoes or a black belt with black shoes, etc. What about when people are wearing, like, really shiny shoes and a matte belt? Does that matter? Are we just trying to get close, or do those need to match too? No, they, 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 they really should match. Um, you know, there are some people that will wear, you know, fabric belts with their dress shoes, but if you're just – wanting to keep it as basic and simple and safe as possible, match your shoe color and the leather texture and finish. So if your shoes are super shiny, your belt should be super shiny. If your shoes are matte, vice versa, your, your, your belt should be matte. Um, one little tip I would like to give everybody, it's real easy when you're matching blacks, but browns are a different animal. There are probably 30 different shades of browns. Never try to match your brown belt with brown shoes from memory. Take the shoes into the store when you're buying a belt um it's it's the easiest way to Ooh, nail it that's it's a good also, tip that's a oh really gosh. good tip because i guarantee you that i've done that and i totally am the guy who's going to be like what it's brown and then just go and buy a brownish thing and be like ah oh. 
Exactly. And the other thing is that you, you know, it should match as close as possible, but sometimes you get it close, but it's not exact and that's okay. You know, the reason is, is because you've got pants and fabric breaking up, you know, you're not laying that belt directly on top of that shoe. And so the eye has a difficult time picking up the subtle differences, but you should try and get it as close as possible. Perfect. Yeah. Avoid that by just bringing the shoes into the store. Brilliant. For more from Aaron Marino, search for Alpha M on YouTube or go to IamAlphaM.com. Solid show as usual, if I do say so myself. Show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at JordanH at TheArtOfCharm.com. Bootcamp details, that's our live training at TheArtOfCharm.com. And that's also where you can find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for the Art of Charm podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's it. You guys can also help us if you subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. Give us a five-star rating and write something nice. We'll love you forever. Just go to iTunes.com slash theartofcharm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily and get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing training from us. So tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week, go out there and get social, and leave everything better than you found it.